What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Parallel Christian Society podcast. My name is Andrew Torba. I'm the CEO of Cab.com and your host. We have a great episode for you today, and it's about just how low the bar is for our success in the long-term play of taking back our country, taking back our culture, taking back our families, our churches, all the rest of it. I, you know, when I go out into society, into the mainstream society, as I'm thinking about building a and doing, actually doing, actually building a parallel Christian society, you know, starting in my own home and, you know, in my own church, uh, in my own local community, and then more broadly on Gab as well and influencing others to do the same. I go out into the mainstream society, whether it's, uh, you know, going into town, venturing into town, venturing into a Walmart, venturing into any of the major big stores and, you know, checking out and looking around and just observing. And I've talked about this. I've written about this. Uh, There's a chapter in my upcoming book about this, sort of like the zombie world that we're living in. And it's, it's so disheartening, uh, but, you know, it's also so inspiring because it just it, it, it shows just how low the bar is for for us and for our children and for the future. Um, you know, I look around at people and there's just just sort of zombie stare in their eyes. Right. It's like they're either drugged out of their mind or they, they've ingested so many seed oils and so much goy slop that their minds and their faces. It's just like this SSRI stare. There's that meme, the SSRI stare. And it's, it seems like it's like everybody you look at and everywhere you look, it's like, everybody's like the walking dead. It's like there's zombies. And in one sense, it's, it's kind of scary, right? Because there's so many people that are just walking around in sort of a stupor. Uh, But in the other sense, it shows just how low the bar is for us to succeed in the future and, and over the long term. And so I wrote about this uh, the other day. You know, I said, it's pretty simple. We're having kids. We're teaching them to read and write. We're protecting them from the twisted freaks in society. And so therefore, victory is inevitable. But we have to play the long game. And one of the the things that I saw that sort of made me come to this conclusion was this this study that over 50% of Americans haven't read a book in the past year. So there was this survey of uh, 2,000 American adults And um, what they found was that more than half, 51.57%, haven't read a full book in over a year. 22% of adults haven't read a book in over three years. And 10% have not read a book in a decade, which is crazy. Um, And then they found this other stuff. There's this uh, one book rule. Finishing one book is all it takes to start a reading habit. 28.7% of people never finish a book they start reading, but those that finish one book are 29 times more likely to read another one. And of course, fewer young people are reading and read less than half the number of books of older generations. So nearly a quarter of adults have not read a book in one to two years, and another 11% haven't read a book in three to five years, which is absolutely crazy. So fewer young people are reading um, and they're reading a lot less than the older generations. So in terms of average number of books finished per year, uh, boomers finish about nine and a half books per year. Gen X finishes about six books per year. Millennials finish about four books per year. And then Gen Z is 3.5. And so 
you know, if we just simply teach our kids to read <laughs> and write and communicate uh, clearly, um, you know, we're, we're sort of heading towards idiocracy. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that movie, but, you know, we're heading towards a society where people cannot uh, accomplish very basic tasks like reading and writing and, and communicating. And uh, as long as we teach our kids to do these things, they're going to basically be kings. Right. And, and like, that's the barrier. I've been, I've been talking to a friend from church about this. Uh, and, you know, his, his wife made this point that, you know, as, as long as we teach our kids to read, uh, they're going to be so far ahead of everyone else in their cohort that they're going to stand out and they're going to become leaders and, um, and basically be kings over the long term because that's, that's sort of how low, just how low the bar is. Uh, for success in um, our stupefied, zombified world is um, is if you can read, <laughs> if you can write, if you can communicate with some basic skills, uh, you're going to be way far ahead than most people. And this this sort of zombie culture, um, you know, again, it's there's a lot of things you can attribute it to. Right. Uh, people are people are sort of walking around stupefied. Uh, they're either on prescription drugs, they're on regular drugs, they're on um, you know copious amounts of goislop and uh, and seed oils that just uh, numb their brain and turn it into mush. And you walk around and you look at them and you just observe. Like I encourage you to do this next time you go out. I, I every time I post about this, it gets tons of people you know react and and leave comments and say that they're noticing the exact same thing. It's kind of scary that people are like driving on the roads like this. First of all, uh, that's that's uh, that's certainly something to to be wary about. Uh, so maybe maybe self driving cars is a good thing so that people aren't uh, driving in their stupefied, zombified state. But you know that's that's how the people in power want us to be. They they want you to just be a ball of mush. They want you to be a zombie brain so that you don't notice what's going on. You don't notice that your uh, your freedoms are being torn away from you. And uh, our society and our culture and our country is being radically altered and radically changed uh, demographically, culturally, historically. They're destroying, um, you know, parts of our history, parts of our culture. And, um, you know, they're playing for the keeps. And if everybody is sort of in this stupefied state, if everybody is just uh, stuffing their pie hole and sitting in front of the TV and turning on the NFL and turning on the news and uh, not really paying attention to what's actually going on, you know, then they're going to get away with it. And so that's that's how they want us. They want us to be drugged out of our minds and uh, stuffing our faces with food and just uh, existing, right? Existing like sort of domesticated animals. Um, and it's, it's really crazy. It's crazy. Uh, you know, you look at some of these younger kids and they can't even look you in the eye when they're talking to you uh, because they're, they're sort of, they're so used to digital interaction and uh, and not actual human interaction face to face. That's like they don't even know how to interact with people. And again, if we could teach our kids how to do this, if we could protect our kids from becoming these sort of zombies, um, then they're going to they're going to dominate the future. They're going to be kings of the future. And so it's sort of very it's it's black pilling, but it's also white pilling at the same time. Because, uh, you know, it's it's kind of scary out there. Like, let's be honest. You go out in the public and um, it's not it's 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 <laughs> it's it's kind of it's kind of frightening. 
but then at the same time, it's sort of white pilling. It's like, wow, if I just teach my kids how to read, how to write, how to communicate, how to look someone in the eye when they're talking to them, they're going to be miles and miles ahead and they're going to stand out and um, they'll be kings in the future. So that part of it is is white pilling. And I think that the other part of this, so, you know, I've been thinking on this stuff. And um, the other thing that I said is, you know, we're going to win through households, through networks and through pulpits over time. You know, there's few people that want to actually put in the work, but those who do put in the work, you know, those of us who are going to disciple our children are going to teach them to read, write, to communicate, uh, to fear and love the Lord. Um, you know, we're, we're going to win over the long term, but it's going to take a long time. It's not going to be like a, a one year thing, a, a few months, a few weeks. Like you have to be willing, you have to put in the work day in and day out. And unfortunately, most people want quick and easy solutions. You know, getting up off the couch to cast a vote every four years, that's that's not going to cut it. It's a daily grind. We're going to have to build and we're going to have to disciple our children day in and day out over the long period of time. And then we're going to have compounding interest on those on those efforts. So, you know, over time, you know, the the fruits of our labor are going to pay off more and more and they're going to keep compounding more and more. But you have to put in the work. You have to put in the work day in and day out. You know, I think there's this there's this fundamental connection in the American Christian psyche between political and spiritual laziness and doomerism. So it's this this idea of don't worry, things are going to get worse. But if we just vote for Donald Trump, he's going to fix everything. All we have to do is get off the couch every four years and cast a vote. And then go back to the couch and go back to stuffing our pie holes and go back to turning on the NFL and everything will be just fine if we just get Trump back in there. And, you know, then there's the spiritual side of this as well, which is, you know, largely thanks to, uh, you know, Darbyism and Schofield and dispensationalism and Zionism that has infected the church like a cancer. It's this idea of don't worry, things are going to get worse. And that's actually a good thing. Because it means that Jesus is going to come back soon and he's going to fix everything. And therefore, I don't have to do anything. Uh, things are getting worse and things are getting bad. And that's actually a good thing because it means that Christ is going to return soon. And uh, we're going to celebrate that. And that means that I don't have to do anything. This type of mindset has been just pervasive in the American Christian psyche and the American church for probably over a century, like since World War II. But it started a lot earlier. And so the reality is, you know, throughout all of Christendom, uh, the reality of what Christians actually believed is that the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit is indwelling in us. And we must use that to take action, to build things, to fix things, to bring about, um, you know, the kingdom of God and starting in our own hearts, our own homes and our own communities. And there, that's the reason like we lost that. We lost that truth. And that is the truth. Like, the, like really sit and think about this for a minute. The same power that took Christ out of that grave is indwelling inside of you, right? That power is tremendous. And we let it sit there dormant. We sit on the couch, Christian. We sit on the couch with the power of the Holy Spirit dormant inside of us. It's like a little pilot light that is on, on the stove. And all you got to do is turn on the gas and that pilot light will, uh, you know, form into a flame and you'll start building and you'll start creating and you'll start conquering. 
and we're letting it sit there as a pilot light. And, you know, a pilot light doesn't do much, right? You ever open up your stove, look at the pilot light. It's a little tiny pilot light and it's there and it's a source of heat and it's a source of energy. But we have to take action. You got to turn the knob on the stove in order for that pilot light to become a flame that you can cook with, right? Or, or heat your home with or whatever it is, right? And so, you know, that's that's the part that Christians have not been doing for really a century now. And that's the part that we have to reawaken and we have to say, listen, you got to remember, we are here to glorify God. We are here to take dominion. We are here to disciple the nations. And, you know, we sort of forgot our mission, right? We have we have one mission. Christ gave us one mission, you know, go forth and disciple the nations. And uh, we're saying, no, I'd, I'd rather sit on the couch. I'd rather, you know, stuff my pie hole. I'd rather watch the NFL. Uh, I go to church on Sunday, so that makes me a good Christian, and I don't really have to do anything else because Christ is going to come back soon, and he's going to fix everything. He'll uh, he'll solve all the problems, and he'll he'll clean up this mess, and I don't have to do anything as long as I don't have to do anything because that, that would require work. I don't want to have to do something. I don't want to have to get up off the couch. I don't want to have to have some sort of discipline or some sort of uh, take some sort of action. No, I just want to sit here, and I want to let either – I want to cast my vote and let Donald Trump solve things, or I want to – I want to sit here and watch things get worse and worse and watch my culture and my country and my community and my family disintegrate. And uh, that's all good because it means Christ is coming back soon. This is this is the toxic cancer of dispensational Zionism. Uh, and eschatology really does matter. It really does matter. Um, and, and so this this is you know part of the fundamentals is fixing that and letting people understand that this this theology, this eschatology that is, you know, 150 years old. That was fully funded and subverted by Zionists into the American church, into the American psyche uh, is it needs to be destroyed and it needs to we need to understand where it came from and and why why it was allowed uh, to be sort of subverted into the American mind and the American church. And now we're seeing why, because, you know, Israel is committing a genocide and uh, American Christians are standing by and cheering it on. Right. And, And are not saying anything about it. You know, they're killing children and uh, uh, obliterating communities and nobody, nobody bats an eye. Israel can do whatever they want because and that's because of this dual covenant, uh, you know, dispensational Zionism that has infected the church like a cancer. And it, it what it leads to is this mindset of this is good. Bad things are happening and they're going to get worse. And that means the Christ is coming back soon. And therefore, I don't have to do anything. You know, that's what we like about it most is we're lazy. You know, we don't want to do anything. And I have a lot of empathy for people who still believe this because, you know, at one point when I was growing up, this is what I believe too. This is all I ever knew. You know, I call it left behind eschatology. I read all the left behind books, the left behind books, the the series for kids. I watched the movies. I mean, I was really into it. I was, they had like a form, an online form, and I was in there and uh, I was really into this and I believed it. And then you actually read your Bible and then you learn the history of, of Schofield and Darby and uh, of, of dispensationalism and of the Jesuits who uh, came up with this concept of, of futurism and millennialism in general uh, in order to um, fight back against uh, the Protestants that were saying that uh, the Pope was Antichrist and that the, the Roman Catholic Church was Antichrist. Like that's where it originally started. And then the Zionists picked up on this. And they, they found Schofield and they funded him. And, you know, the Schofield Reference Bible was all of a sudden in the hands of all the troops coming back and every family in America. 
And this is how this becomes pervasive throughout the American church and throughout the American Christian psyche. And uh, but it's starting to disintegrate. It started thanks to the Internet and thanks to um, God's remnant, uh, you know, who has preserved the truth of God's word, which is that God does not have two people. He has one people. Uh, we as Christians are the chosen people. The Bible is so clear about that. God does not have uh, some special side plan for a specific ethnic group. Okay. Uh, there has always been one people of God and it has nothing to do with ethnicity. Okay. It has to do with our faith in Jesus Christ. Whether you're Jew, there is no Jew or Greek all right. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile. You have faith in Jesus Christ. You are the chosen people. Okay. There is no separate side deal that God has with a specific ethnic group. Bible does not say anything about that. And the people that take uh, scripture and twist it in order to sort of back that false heretical claim that did not exist for the past 2000 years up until about 150 years ago. Uh, they're they're deceived and they're misled, and we have to speak this truth boldly, and uh, it we have to we have to also you know be empathetic because you have to keep in mind that some of us like myself like I just said I I was raised in this and this is what I believed until I actually read my Bible, <laughs> you know, and a lot of people that's the biggest problem with Christians is they're not reading their Bibles, they're just taking what their pastor says and that's what they believe. And this is how they treat everything. They're taking what, uh, you know, the news anchorman says, and that's what they believe. Um, because the, uh, it, it's a fundamental culture of laziness. That's ultimately what it is. We don't want to take the time to read our Bibles and see what the, the, uh, God's word actually says. You know, we just want to you know, have my pastor tell me what I'm supposed to believe and what I'm supposed to think about the Jews and about Israel and about everything else. And that's what I believe. And I'm going to be uh, totally zealous about those beliefs that... I didn't form myself. Someone else formed for me in my head because I'm too lazy to read the Bible and see what God's word actually says. And so, you know, this is this is a big part of the problem. It's it's sort of echoing in every uh, every facet of of our spiritual life, of of culture, of society is this fundamental laziness uh, and just in this lazy entitlement of not wanting to build things, not wanting to actually put in work not wanting to take care of ourselves, not wanting to disciple our children, not wanting to build anything. And until we get over that hump, like that is, that is the big hump. Um, it's, you know, we're not going to go anywhere, but you know, so we have this remnant of people that certainly aren't doing that and aren't lazy and are putting in the work and are putting in the effort and uh, are building things. And we need to uplift and support those people because they are, they are few and far between. And those are the people that are going to inherit the future. You know, again, those those of us who are discipling our children, those of us who are building infrastructure, building businesses, building, uh, you know, our, our communities, building up our churches like the future is ours. We just got to we got to be consistent. We got to keep going day in and day out. And as society continues to sort of crumble into ash, the existing society, uh, we're building up the infrastructure and we're building up the networks and we're building up the communities and we're building up our families to be strong and resilient over the long term. And this is something that I hope, I hope that we can wake more people up to. But I can't do it for you, right? That's the thing is that I can't put in the work of discipling your children for you. 
I can give you some tips on how I'm doing it myself with my own family. Um, I can't build a business for you. I can, you know, give you some tips and I can give you, in, in our case, we're, we're providing infrastructure like, you know, Gab Pay and, and the Gab Marketplace and Gab itself for distribution and for customer support and for marketing and for advertising. Like I can give you the tools, but I can't put in the work for you. I can't build the business for you. I can give you the tools and say, hey, you know, I, I read this book or I've been studying this with my children and I've been using this for homeschooling or whatever, but I can't do it for you. So you have to put in the work, you know, we, and we have to man up and we have to put in the work. It's going to take effort. It's going to take work. You know, we're in hard times right now, but those hard times create hard men and we need more hard men and hard women to step up to the plate and put in the work and just do the grind for decades. That's what it's going to take. It's, you know, again, this is not a thing that's going to take a, a year or two. You got to be willing and able uh, to make sacrifices and to put in the work and to, to grind it out year in and year out and live all of your life for all of Christ and disciple your children and build your business and uh, build up your local community and uh and and just uh just grind right and and that's i think that's um another part of the problem here is uh is that people just people just do not they don't want to put in the work they absolutely don't want to put in the work and we have to change that we have to change that mindset we have to change that culture or we're not going to get anywhere because you know the remnant that is building again we're we're going to inherit the future. I'm incredibly bullish. I'm incredibly white-billed on that. But, you know, the the thing that I sort of question day-to-day -day now is how do I inspire more people to see this? Right? Because so many people are just, uh, again, in a zombified stupor, including many Christians. And it, it breaks my heart because there's so much potential. Um, I see so much wasted potential and wasted time. and um, And it's sad. It's really sad. Because a lot of these people are, are intelligent, they're smart, and most importantly, they're indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And they're just sitting there letting that flame flicker and, um, and not, not starting the stove up and, uh, and getting to work. And so I, I'm bullish about the future, but we got to put in the effort, guys. Got to put in the work. It's not, gonna, it's not just going to come about on its own. And um, you got to start today. You got to start now. And it's got to start in your own heart first. You know, you can't expect other people. You got to lead by example. You can't expect other people to um, to start putting in the work unless they see you putting in the work. And so that's, you know, the biggest the biggest thing that we can do in terms of inspiration and inspiring people to, to put in the work and to start building things and discipling their kids and really um, spending the time that's needed to to build the future here and build a parallel Christian society is you have to lead by example. And so people should look at your life and they should look at your family and they should say, I want to mirror that. I want to mimic that. Um, I can do that too. All right. That is, that is the best form, you know, more so than podcasts or talking or posting online. It's like when you're actually living out these things, people are going to notice they're going to pay attention when your kids, when they interact with your kids and they're well, they're, they're intelligent and they can hold a conversation and, they're well-behaved and all of these things, people will notice. And, you know, you have to point them back to Christ as the core uh, of, of why these things are the way they are. 
right? Because the, the power of the Holy Spirit and our faith in Christ is what allows us, gives us the ability to disciple our children and to build things and to persevere. And so that is the future that we have to be building towards. So thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, remember to subscribe to this and, and share it with a friend and speak freely. Christ is King.